Welcome to the Running Explained podcast. I'm your host, Elizabeth. I'm a marathoner, coach, and answer seeker. When I first started running at the age of 29, I had so many questions and what felt like nowhere to turn to for answers. And now I'm here to answer all your running questions about anything that you might want to know. If you're a new runner or you've been doing this for a long time, there's always something more to learn about running. So let's get started. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Running Explained podcast. I am Elizabeth. I am super excited that you are here this week listening to this episode on analyzing your training cycle. But before we get started, I have a couple of very exciting announcements that I would like to let you know. One has already happened and one is yet to happen. So first off, the Running Explained podcast is now available on DEXA. What is DEXA? DEXA is an artificial intelligence driven search engine for podcasts. This means that DEXA, the system has essentially been fed every single episode of the Running Explained podcast and you can now ask fake me, AI me, (laughs) questions and get answers from the podcast. But not only that, you can actually get directed to very specific clips from individual episodes that will support the questions that you have. So for example, if you were to ask about stretching, you would get a little kind of blurb from the AI about things that we have discussed on the podcast, as well as links to direct clips from individual episodes where you can listen to what is said about stretching or whatever the question is that you have. Now, obviously it's AI, right? So it's a robot, it's not a human, but uh, in playing around with this, I've been quite impressed overall with how, how it seems to capture the actual essence and vibe of the things that we talk about, including all of the, well, it really depends. So if you have been bemoaning the fact that you have a question and you know that you heard it mentioned once in an episode and you can't remember which episode and need if you could, you couldn't remember where in the hour plus long episode that it was, go ask Dexa. It's dexa.ai, that's D-E-X-A dot A-I slash run E-X-P. R-U-N-E-X-P. The direct link is in my link in bio at Instagram. It's also uh, on the website, runningexplained.co slash podcast, direct link there. So yes, such a fabulous tool, an amazing tool. I am so excited to be able to offer this to you, my listeners, as another way to mine the Running Explained podcast as a resource for you in your running because we are coming up on, I don't know how many hundreds of hours of content, but it's a lot. And I'll be honest with you, sometimes, I get questions. They're like, yeah, in this episode, you mentioned this. And I said, did I really? I don't remember saying that. I mean, I'm sure that I did, but right. It's a, it's a lot. So I'm excited for it to have this resource for you. You definitely should go check it out. You should definitely ask it all your questions. Dexa.ai slash running explained. Sorry, Dexa.ai slash run exp. The second announcement, the one that has yet to come, but if you've been on Instagram recently, you made me may have seen me tease this, the Run Club. I am very excited to be launching an app-based training program application, an app-based training application. Long story short, it's an app that is going to offer all 
of the Running Explained training plans available for you to apply, switch between, uh, follow, go to the next one as you want. So essentially access to all of the plans you can apply to your individual schedule in the app along with strength training that you can apply to your schedule in the app. And then of course, a bunch of additional resources like resources on the terminology and and testing your fitness and specific episodes are gonna be really helpful and the basics of fueling, like all these things, your one-stop shop for training for whatever it is that you're training for all in one app. So uh, this is gonna be a subscription-based offering and I'm working on getting it launched right now, getting it all together. Very, very, very excited about this. So this is not gonna be replacing buying individual running training plans should you still want to have that available to you but for somebody who says well gee you know I kind of want all the plans available to me this is going to be the app for you so please stay tuned for more information about that very 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 excited for all of the things that are happening in 2024 which is like literally three weeks away so yeah better get on that Back to the business at hand, analyzing your training cycle and race day performance. If you have been in one of the Training Plus programs, this will be a very similar module to the one on analyzing your race day performance and lessons from your training cycle. But I think this is such an important topic that I wanted to be able to speak to everybody about this because although in analyzing our performance, it really does take a very specific objectivity, which runners, humans, not just runners, humans tend to struggle with being very objective about a performance. So this probably doesn't replace an objective analysis from somebody like a coach. If you have really specific questions about like, hey, this thing happened in my race and I don't know why, right? Having a a second pair of eyes, a knowledgeable pair of eyes to look at that would be very helpful for you. But going through the process of essentially debriefing yourself about your training cycle and then separately if you so choose your race performance because those are those are separate things right um, those should be analyzed separately can help you the individual runner essentially learn to level up your own knowledge of yourself as a runner and training and how you respond and essentially make you more aware of yourself, you know, inside, outside, thought processes, you know, all the things that we talk about. We talk about becoming a really intelligent runner, talking about somebody who makes good decisions, talking about somebody who has a relatively high degree of autonomy, right? You know where you're trying to get to and you generally know how to get there and you know what your own personal strengths and weaknesses are in what is going to help you or possibly hinder you in getting there. Because if we don't ever look back, right, every single time that we move forward, we're doing it blind. And then if you if you have all this knowledge, all this data at your disposal, if you've just gone through a training cycle, multiple training cycles, so why not take advantage of looking at it? Now, something I want to emphasize very strongly is that this is an objective analysis. This is not a judgment fest. This is not the time for you to beat yourself up or put yourself down because X, Y, Z did or didn't happen. Um, This is purely about looking at what happened, what was supposed to happen, how different were those two things, and what is inside versus outside of your control for what is going to happen the next time. 
And again, not judging. This is not about judgment. You cannot, this is not judging yourself and saying, oh my gosh, like, yeah, I just guess I didn't want it enough. Or like, I sucked. I guess, I, no, no, that's not helpful for anybody. What is helpful for you as a runner and as a person is to say, hey, look, let me just take a really objective, non-emotional, unemotional, it's not emotional a word, unemotional, if you can look at say, this is what I set out to do. This is what actually happened. This is what I did have control over in making this happen. This is what I didn't have control over in how these things happened. And then in my next training cycle, when I do this again, what are some changes I'm going to make for next time? Um, Because the whole point of going through this is that so we can continue to refine our ability to be in touch not only with ourselves and how we respond to certain things, but essentially creating a, a training cycle, whether you're solo or you're working with a coach, creating a training cycle for the next time that is essentially makes you the framework of it makes it so much more likely for you to stay consistent and adhere to the schedule with the appropriate level of challenge and all those types of things. Uh, this is where I see a lot of people in general really, I don't want to say fail because it's not a failure, but it's a misunderstanding of what they have available to give and what they have, uh, what they assume or what they're attempting to give. Now, this is not everybody right? But I'll give you an example of this. Let's say you're doing a training cycle review and you ran a half marathon, not your first one, maybe like your fourth or fifth half marathon. And you set out to say like, I really want to PR this training cycle and I'm going to commit to like, I'm going to build my volume. I'm going to commit to a more aggressive, you know, uh, training cycle. I'm going to run more. I'm going to run this many days per week. And I'm also going to strength train. I'm also going to do my mobility. And I'm also going to do, you know, all these other things because I really, really, really want to PR. Okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But are you also committing to all of the things during a time in your life where you also had a ton of other things going on in your life? Like, was it a realistic commitment on your part? Or would you, and then of course, as things tend to happen in these situations where we overcommit ourselves, something breaks, something gives, hopefully not literally breaks, right? Either we start skipping things or our performance starts to suffer, we're not sleeping enough or something happens, right? And it's like, well, if you just committed to a little bit less, would you have been more overall successful in completing the cycle that you wanted to have, right? So the overcommitment thing is something that I see a lot. And it's not necessarily about scheduling overcommitment. It's about like available energy training the commitment. Um, Because I think a lot of us think that we have kind of unlimited energy, unlimited reserves, right? If I want it bad enough, I will find a way to make it happen. But you have finite resources. You guys know we have talked about this so many times on this show. I'm going to sound like a broken record. You have finite resources. Stress is stress. You cannot do it all, all the time. And there's nothing wrong with that. But understanding where in your training cycles things have made and gotten away from you will help you make better decisions for your next training cycles so you're not continually overcommitting and then either underperforming or feeling like you're dropping the ball or you're not living up to your own standards, right? Because I think a lot of us expect very, very high things from ourselves. And when we can't do those things that we expect ourselves to be able to do, we feel bad about it, even if those things were totally unrealistic, right? So like if I expect that I'm going to run an Olympic trials qualifying marathon this weekend. Um, and I don't because I'm physically incapable of that. Right. 
what what would somebody else say? Like, well, that was not a realistic goal. But if I legitimately believed that I could, no matter how misplaced my belief was, I would be genuinely upset. Be like, I don't understand. I really wanted to do that, right? Obviously, it's a bit of an extreme example, but I think you get the picture. All right, back to training cycle review. So this is, you can make it as formal or informal as you want. I know a lot of you, you know, like to journal or keep notes or, you know, are very organized and how you like to go through the process of these things. Maybe this is you just kind of sitting down and thinking about a couple things and, and jotting some notes on to your phone. Like, so it really does depend on how formal or informal that you want to make this process. But like I said, the training cycle review and your race review are different. So thinking about your training cycle specifically. So, you know, the first thing we need to identify is what did you set out to accomplish? What did you commit to and what actually happened? Right. So thinking about, all right, well, how much what actually happened? We'll start with that. What actually happened in your training cycle? How many days per week did you actually run? How much did you actually run per week? What was the length of your long runs? What types of workouts did you actually do? Not the ones that were on your schedule, not the ones that were in your plan. Like not, this is setting aside what your schedule, your plan, your program said, hey, this is what you need to be doing. What did you actually do? Okay. What actually occurred? And then how different was that from the plan? As you overlay what actually happened with what you set out to do, you may notice that there are some patterns if things don't line up perfectly. Now, some of you I know are so type A that you would rather cut off your own head than deviate at all from the schedule. And and for those of you who are in that camp, who are patting yourselves on the back right now saying, I literally, I followed my plan to the letter, to the T. Everything was exactly the way it was supposed to be. If it said run six miles, I ran six miles. I didn't run 5.99, didn't run 6.01, I ran six miles and then I did this. And okay, for those of you who are so hyper committed to this plan, I actually want to ask, I want you to ask yourself, was there a point in the plan where you maybe should have deviated but didn't? Was there a day in retrospect where, yeah, maybe you shouldn't have done that workout because you were coming down with a cold and then you felt like crap for a week, but you kept running? Maybe you, whatever it was, should have cut that run short. Maybe you should have moved that run to the day before, the day after, whatever it was. Was there was there a, a, anything that happened in your plan that actually may have benefited from a bit of flexibility or um not adhering to the plan perfectly. Because when we're talking about analyzing the training cycle itself, I don't want you to think that we're going through this process because I want you to learn how to always adhere perfectly to every single plan that you follow. That's not the goal here. The goal is for you to understand what is going to help you be most consistent in your training to help you achieve the goals you're trying to achieve but that also allows you to listen to your body and make good decisions that are proactive rather than reactive. So we don't end up in situations where we have that 2020 hindsight when thinking, yeah, I probably shouldn't have run that day or 
I probably should have not done that workout or yeah, maybe I should have bailed because X, Y, Z, right? Sometimes that is legitimately the correct decision. And if we are only, if we, if we're never, ever, ever allowing ourselves to deviate from this plan, um, you're actually not allowing yourself to understand the things about like what's happening inside your body. And because you're not having to make decisions about whether something is a good idea or not. Now, of course, there's a flip side of this is that if you, you shouldn't have to have an argument with yourself every single time you have something on your schedule, but not taking that point of introspection ever just saying, well, I just follow the plan. But is that actually teaching you how things are supposed to feel? Is that teaching you how to make good decisions if the only decision you ever make is, I just need to follow what's on my plan, right? I just need to run the splits. Well, is that split appropriate for you today? Like maybe you're maybe you're gonna be run, run a little bit slower today. Maybe you'll be running a little bit faster today, right? A lot of this is about finding the individualization in what is supposed to be occurring, but what's actually occurring in the day and making the best decision that you can. Now, a lot of these decisions seem really obvious in hindsight, but we're trying to make you understand through the analysis of your training cycles is, okay, are there, can we start to make these decisions, like I said, proactively rather than say, oh yeah, in retrospect, probably was a better decision, uh, you know, maybe next time. Well, yeah, maybe next time. All right. So for those of you, like I said, the I always do everything perfectly because it's on my schedule, right? For those people, time to take a step back and say, well, what times were there? And you say, no, no, no. There was no point in my training cycle where I ever could have made a different decision. I don't believe you because life happens to all of us. You're telling me there wasn't any one single day over the past 12, 16, 20, 24 weeks where what was on your schedule was something that wasn't lining up with how you felt on the day? Just think about it. This time of year, there is a lot going on. Holiday parties, family visiting, maybe we're visiting family, we're out of our routine, we're eating different foods, we're really enjoying ourselves. But also sometimes our gut is saying, okay, but I don't know how I feel about this. Now, obviously digestive health is a year round thing that you should be paying attention to, but I know for me this time of year, I'm absolutely remembering to take my Prevenix probiotic. Being able to support my gut health in this way, now that I know what having a healthy gut feels like, man, that is almost priceless. And did you know that Prevenix's probiotic also contains a prebiotic? Prebiotics are types of fiber that probiotics like to eat, which is really cool. It's got both. <laughs> And now you can try the Prevenex probiotic for yourself with 15% off your first order using code RUNEXP. Just go to Prevenex.com, that's P-R-E-V-I-N-E-X.com, and use code RUNEXP for 15% off your first order of any of Prevenex's pharmaceutical grade supplements or anything else in their store. Give it a try. Your gut will thank you. All right, so back to what actually happened versus what was supposed to happen. Now, like I said, deviations are not necessarily a bad thing. What we're trying to understand is, were there patterns in the deviations? Were those, were those deviations possibly detrimental to what happened in your training cycle? And if there were detrimental deviations, how much of those were inside versus outside of your control? So I'll give you an example. Let's say you were committing to run five times a week this training cycle, not five times. You were committing to run five total times this training cycle. 
Yeah, that's probably not enough. Um, five times a week for this training cycle, right? So five days a week, a long run, two easies, and one to two workouts. But, you know, on Tuesdays, it's a crazy day at work. And so you always usually have to push your run to the next day. And then something, something, something. You never really felt fully recovered by your Thursday workout. And then something, something, something for, you know, Friday night you know, you always went out with a friend and it was, no, it's just kind of a late night, but you never really felt recovered for your Sunday long run. So I'm going to say to one of these, looking at this, is it detrimental to your overall training plan that you made, that you deviated from the schedule? Not necessarily. Um, there's nothing wrong with making schedule adjustments based on the things that are going on in your life. But the whole point of making schedule adjustments is to allow you to really handle the training that you are doing well. So there's nothing wrong with moving a day of running, right? Tuesday's an absolutely bonkers day for you. Then don't plan on running on Tuesdays. Like the fact that you committed to running on Tuesdays when Tuesdays are wall to wall with stuff, that's actually from the outset was not a great decision, right? So what we can do in the next training cycle is say, well, I just, Tuesdays are just not a good day for me, right? That is one takeaway. You can say, hey, it seems like every Tuesday was a real struggle. And then instead of making that swap or dropping a run to run four days per week, what did you do instead? You tried to keep making it happen, even though it still wasn't going to happen. Your Tuesdays weren't going to magically become less busy just because, you know, time went on. Now, maybe you are somebody like a teacher and actually, yeah, your schedule changes a lot from June to July. That's different. I'm talking about when we don't have those big schedule changes. So yes, how much did you deviate? Was the deviation uh, detrimental, right? So I'd say overall, the deviation here would not have been detrimental. The detrimental part was that you didn't deviate further from the plan. And by this, I mean that moving the day of running wasn't the big deal. The big deal was that you didn't adjust further in that you kind of kept backing up so you were always fatigued, right? Well, yeah, okay, so I moved my uh, Tuesday run to Wednesday. And then, so let's say, let's just think about a, a plan. And I know a lot of you follow my training plans for which I love you guys so much. Thank you for putting your trust in me for your training. And I know a lot of you really enjoy the plans too, so that makes me feel really good. Um, let's say that you are following a five-day-a-week plan. You have rest day on Monday. Tuesday is either a, a workout, like a speed workout, or it's a, an easy effort run with strides. Wednesday is a recovery run day. Thursday is a hefty workout. Friday is a rest day. Saturday is an easy run. Sunday is your long run. Okay? So let's go off this framework. But your Tuesdays are bonkers, right? So what do you do instead? So you actually move Tuesday, which is super, Tuesday is a super stressful day anyways. Like by the time you get home on Tuesdays, you're wiped. Like you may not have run that day, but you're exhausted, stressful day. So you do Tuesday's run instead of the Wednesday recovery run. Now on weeks where Tuesday is a workout, that means you're doing back-to-back workouts. It means you're working out on Wednesday, which was supposed to be Tuesday. And then you're also going into Thursday's actual heftier workout for the week. Oof back-to-back workouts, not somewhere we want to be for most people. And then instead of taking the rest day on Friday as is scheduled, we say, well, I'm just going to do Wednesday's recovery run on Friday. I'll just recover from the two hard days that I just did. Yeah. But you know, then you go out on Friday night and then you're up late and you're dehydrated and then Saturday, okay, now you're not, you're kind of feeling like garbage, but you know, Hey, it's, um, it's only an easy run on, you know, like a couple miles Saturday, not a big deal. Sunday, you're always kind of dragging, but 
you know, you get your long run in, but you just keep doing this every week. So you can see how the balance isn't working, right? Now, one thing about your schedule is out of your control, right? The Tuesday day. Everybody has a day of the week which is just absolutely bonkers, right? And for you, maybe it's Tuesday. So that's out of your control. What did I say? We want to identify things that are outside versus inside of your control. Now, the Friday night thing, that is inside your control, but I'm not saying you can't have fun. I'm not saying you can't be social and have, you know, like a social life and have friends. But at the same time, if we're going out every Friday night and staying up really late and may or may not be drinking, and then we are expecting every Saturday morning to get up fresh as a daisy, and then especially if we stacked imbalanced training the days before, you can see how we're always playing catch up. The goal of training is to not only complete the things that you need to do in order to get you to where you want to be by the end of your training cycle, but to feel pretty good while you're doing them. There's absolutely a time and a place in your life where you can go out and have fun and stay out super late and wake up dehydrated the next day. And by dehydrated, I mean hungover, right? Code for hungover. I don't care. I don't care, but I do care if you're not adjusting your training schedules or your expectations for the decisions that you're making in your life as well. So now we can see an example of what was supposed, what did I, what did I want to have happen? What actually happened? What was inside of my control? What was outside of my control? And what could I have done differently? The other thing to analyze when it comes to your run schedule, we'll talk about the support systems in a hot second, but is that thinking about, sometimes this is really a little bit tricky because it technically tends to be analyzed through the lens of what happened on race day, which can be an independent analysis and result from how your training cycle went. Like you can have an unbelievable smash it out of the park, home run, best training cycle of your whole life and have a race day that went sideways from mile one and never recovered, right? And then I think the tendency for a lot of runners is to say, well, in retrospect, my training cycle sucked. It's like, well, actually your training cycle rocked. You just had a bad day on race day. And that happens sometimes, even to the best runners in the world, you can have a stellar training cycle and have a really crappy race day. It means absolutely nothing about how your training cycle went. Um, Sometimes bad days just happen. But there are some things we can look at in terms of your training cycle and how well prepared you generally felt for your race. Now, this does take, I think, a little bit of experience over time in in running. This can't be like, you know, something that you necessarily have an innate way of analyzing if you haven't really done this a couple of times. But there's a couple of ways of thinking about this. You know, did the volume that you ran in training support the goals that you were trying to achieve in your race? Did you feel like you you were prepared endurance-wise for your race? Did you feel like the types of workouts, if you had them in training, supported what you were trying to do on race day? Now, generally speaking, there are going to be workouts that are going to be more appropriate to certain types of, of race durations and workouts that are going to be less appropriate. So what's an example of this? So let's say I'm training for a marathon and the speed work that I'm doing for my marathon is I'm only doing 200 meter repeats at mile pace. That's it. Everything else is long, slow distance. Well, I mean, okay, yeah. So I'm doing a bunch of long, slow distance. And then one day a week, I'm ripping a bunch of 200 meter repeats at mile pace, which is very, very, very hard, high intensity pace at the track. Um, I mean, 
it, yeah, it, it, it will definitely prepare you to do something. Um, but I would argue that 200 meter repeats at mile pace is not the most appropriate or race specific type of workout for marathon training. Now that's gets a little bit tricky because the types of workouts that you do in a training cycle change depend as you go through the training cycle, right? So actually maybe the very first thing you do in your training cycle for a marathon is actually to rip a bunch of 200 meter repeats at the track, like in week one of a 16 week plan, um, to work on a little bit of leg speed, right? Um, but that shouldn't be the only workout you ever do for the rest of the training cycle, right? Because the marathon is not run at mile pace, (laughs) right? We need to do other things that are going to be supportive of your marathon race specific goals. So that's something I, I think a really, uh, interesting example of when I talk to runners who are, have made up their own training in training for the race right? Um, I I often see a lot of speed work that is misplaced for what the goals of the race are. Now, hopefully if you're following a good training plan, you'll say, yeah, generally speaking, I found the types of workouts I was doing supported what I needed on race day. Systems wise, I'm talking about race pace workout, talking about systems wise. Um, but yes, so typically when I talk to runners who have been like, well, I kind of, you know, I, I, I wrote my own training for this cycle and we, nobody ever talks to me when things go right. Everyone wants to talk to me when things go wrong. So when things go wrong and they come to me and we go do a consult and we look at their training and they say, this is what I did. And I kind of did it. I wrote this training myself. Um, oftentimes we, there are issues with, um, volume. Uh, either volume was too low or volume increased too rapidly or volume was imbalanced. It's like your long run was way, way, way too long compared to how much you were running the rest of the week or the types of workouts that you were doing were not race specific um, or they were inappropriate for your current level of experience. So yes, a lot of things to consider here too. And that's why, like I said, you know, this is not necessarily about, you know, analyzing your training cycle through the, through the lens of what a run coach would do, but about generally speaking, how prepared did you feel based on what you did in training? So then also the other thing to note is that how prepared did you feel based on what you actually did? Not what you were supposed to do, not what was written on your plan, right? So, okay, if you were supposed to run X number of days per week and then something happened and you were running about half that and then something else happened and then you took two weeks off and then you can't look back at your training and say, well, the workouts in this plan were supposed to prepare me. It's like we didn't do them, right? So what did you actually do? All of this, right, is essentially a thought exercise to make you think critically about what happened, what your role in choosing certain goals has been in terms of what you expect for yourself in executing these types of training programs, and then trying to connect the dots on the decisions that you made and why you made them. And again, the things that were inside versus outside of your control. I see a lot of runners blaming themselves for things that are completely outside of their control and then getting really upset because they don't have any control over them, right? So let's give you an example. Get sick, right? You're about halfway through your training plan and you get sick. Like you get really sick. Like the whole family is sick, really sick. You don't run for 10 days. You are down for the count. And then you come back and you say, oh my God, I'm freaking out so much. I missed so much training. 
I'm going to jump right back in and I'm going to skip over all the stuff that I missed. And I'm just going to jump right back in because, oh my God, I'm running out of time. But then you're performing like garbage because it typically takes a lot longer to be fully recovered after a serious illness like that than just, I'm no longer really, really sick. And you jumped right back in to your workouts as written. You didn't take any like slow buildup, right? And then you like have a breakdown. Everything feels like garbage. You lose confidence in yourself. You're thinking this is crazy. You know, my goal is slipping away and you double down. You're like, I'm just going to make this pace happen in workouts no matter what. And then it just, it just is a spiral downwards, right? By the time you get to race day, you're so burnt out. You're so over it. And you're so desperate to hold on to the original goal that you had that everything just totally falls apart. What, did, what is the lesson here? You got sick. And you needed to adjust your schedule and you needed to probably adjust that goal and you did neither. That's the lesson. Sometimes things happen outside of our control that force us to change course. And there's nothing wrong with that. Whether it's an illness or an unexpected life event or in a crazy run of business travel that you absolutely did not plan on needing to do, whatever the thing is. Whether it's small or a bunch of small things or big things or a bunch of big things, sometimes things happen in your training cycle that are going to force you to change what your goal is. And the smart decision is not to cling dogmatically to this one goal that you refuse to let go of. The smart decision is to say, all right, based on the new information that I have about what is currently happening in my life, Do I need to make some decisions here about maybe changing my goal? Do I need to make some decisions about maybe easing back into training rather than just to take 10 days off and then literally pick right back up in my plan without any sort of easing back in period? So oftentimes when I talk to runners in the debrief of why, you know, I wanted to (laughs) something... This is, a, this is a really common thing that I get. We're debriefing their race performance. They say, I was really trying to hit this goal and I you know, to- like totally collapsed in the race, like sometimes you know, once or twice, literally. What happened? And it's like, well, you weren't, you weren't prepared to run this, right? You wanted this goal to happen so badly that when we review the training cycle history and kind of what led up to this and where did this goal come from? Like, why did you choose this goal specifically? Was there, what have you done in training and in recent races to support that this goal is realistic for you to begin with, right? Then the house of cards starts to collapse. And the most, the, the most painful thing for me as a coach to have to tell a runner is, you know, if you'd adjusted a little bit, I think you probably would have had a much stronger race. If you'd backed off a little bit, if you'd maybe adjusted your goal just a little bit or you probably would have had a lot more enjoyable race experience. You probably would have had a much stronger race day if you just backed off a little bit. There's nothing wrong with adjusting when new information presents itself. All right, let's talk about the non-running support. This is usually the stuff that when we talk about how did your training cycle go? Did you hit the volume? Did the workouts feel good? Blah, 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 all that stuff. There's two other things that I really want you to think of. One is, were you recovering adequately to support the training you were trying to do? 
What we are hoping for is consistency in your training. And by that, I don't mean consistently needing to take a day off every 10 days because you're so freaking exhausted you can't do anything, right? Is your recovery in alignment with what you are demanding of your body with training? Did you have enough recovery systems in place to support the demands of your training cycle? Or were you actually essentially always under-recovered? It's amazing what we can handle in training if we are eating enough and getting enough sleep. It's your two main recovery modalities. In times of your life when you cannot get enough sleep or you have a really disrupted schedule or you are under fueling either intentionally or under or unintentionally, you are not going to be able to train nearly as much, nearly as uh I was to say, you're just not going to be able to do as much. You literally can't support as much. If you are not recovering, right, you cannot train the way that you probably had dreamed of being able to train. So that's another one of the things about Anna. Like, hey, was my, not only like, did I have time to do the training that I was trying to do, but did I have time to recover from the training that I was trying to do and still have time to do all the other stuff in my life? That's a big one. Um, most runners I know have absolutely no problem carving out time most days to run and or do other things related to their running, whether that's cross training or strength training, you will make the time for that. But will you make the time to get extra sleep if needed? Will you make the time to actually make sure that you are getting enough food during the right times of the day? Are you going to make the time to do the other things that allow you to do the running that you're trying to do? So this is typically the first thing to go in somebody's, I would say when we get really busy, but the problem is, and we just talked about this on the podcast recently, you know, it's so normalized in our society to be running around on like no sleep and overstressed all the time. That's so detrimental to performance. You guys, you want to run like a champion at your own pace, which is amazing, you got to support yourself with a recovery. That means you need sleep. This means you need food. This means you cannot be stressed to the max all the time. Not only can you not train the way you want to when you don't have enough resources, you're also going to blunt your training adaptations if you're always crazy stressed. It's true. You're not going to get nearly as fit if you are experiencing high amounts of stress during your training cycle as if you were not experiencing high amounts of stress. And stress on your body can be emotional, psychological. It can be um, from sleep deprivation. It can be from calorie restriction, right? There are a bunch of different types of stress, but your body just thinks of it as stress. And if it's already super stressed, it's not going to respond nearly as robustly to that amazing lactate threshold workout that you did because it's already super stressed about a bunch of other things. Just something to keep aware. Keep in the back of your mind and be aware of. All right. So did you have time to recover? Strength training. This is typically for a lot of runners, the first thing that goes when the running increase It's not necessarily a bad thing. We do want to periodize our strength training throughout our training cycle in that as our running ramps up, we typically want to balance that with the strength training that we're doing. And that if you are strength training three times per week, then eventually maybe that goes to two and maybe that you only have time for one. But oftentimes I see runners immediately, like as soon as they get a little bit busier with running, they stop strength training altogether. I don't have time for that. I would so much rather you run just a little bit less, like a tiny bit less and do strength training rather than dropping it altogether. The problem is when you stop strength training, 
is that you don't see the detrimental effects if there are going to be any until a little bit later on. So what usually happens, you get really busy, you stop strength training, you feel fine for a couple weeks, maybe a couple months, but then things start to feel a little bit ooky. Like, oh, I don't know. Oh, oh yeah, no, I guess I really, oh, my, my left side's acting up. Oh, uh-oh, I haven't, done, I haven't strength trained in like eight weeks. Maybe it's related to that. I don't know, maybe, but if this is something that you intentionally have been doing strength training for to support things like your left side, and by me, I mean my left side, then yeah, maybe it is related. So yes, strength training is very important to make sure you're doing enough of throughout your training cycle so that you are supporting your body in the best way possible. You're not just immediately ditching all your strength training as soon as you're running just a little bit more. Now, beyond all of the quantitative things, as in what actually happened, what did you intend to do? What actually happened, right? How many miles did you actually run? What were the workouts you actually did? Those types of things. I also want you to think back and keeping contemporaneous notes, as in keeping some sort of training log with some qualitative notes about how things felt. Um, this can be really helpful in the retrospective of these types of, uh, of thought experiments. How did it feel, right, overall? How did your training cycle feel? And I don't mean like, how did you feel about it? Like, how did it physically feel, <laughs> right? Was it sustainable? Or were you really struggling for most of it? Were you fine until, I don't know, week 10, and then it felt like you literally fell off a cliff, right? What happened in all of your training, in all of your life, because a lot of this stuff is only noticeable retrospectively. What are the patterns here based on how you felt and what else was happening? Are there specific workouts or runs that were one of those runs or workouts that you'll remember for the rest of your life because of how amazing it felt? Was it a long run where you felt euphoric the whole time? Was it a workout and you felt like, oh my God, I could run this pace forever? Was there something that went exceptionally well? Here's the thing. We as humans are programmed with a negativity bias. We tend to remember the things that don't go well, the things that are dangerous or bad, because those keeping note of those things is what's tended to keep us alive as humans. I want you to note the things that went exceptionally well, because those things don't happen in a vacuum, right? Those things are not random flukes. Those things were real and they really happened. And if we understand the conditions around which that thing happened, that will help us understand, well, hey, <laughs> was there something I can do to recreate the conditions to make it more likely that I will have more runs or workouts like this? And conversely, were there runs or workouts that went really badly? Was there a long run where you stopped at mile 12 and just cried because of how bad you felt? True story. I've done that more than once <laughs> in different training cycles. I've actually only done it twice, but I do remember very specifically. Um, I did that in my one of my last long runs for the Chicago Marathon last year. It was hot. I just felt awful, and yeah, I just at one like I was taking a ton of walk breaks, and at one point, maybe I was at mile fourteen of this long run. And I just stopped my watch and I was just like on this sidewalk in suburbia, just crying, just like this sucks. This sucks so bad, <laughs> right? 
what runs have you had that went like that? And why? How common were they for you? Hopefully not very common. The real standout runs, the real standout workouts that were just hot garbage that you were in your training journal were like, this sucked. And I, and I literally, literally mean that. And why? Again, goes back to the training balance, to the sleep, to the recovery, to all these things. I think it's very important to note that, you know, as runners, we really tend to focus on our quantitative performance and ignore the qualitative. We tend to focus on what's happening from a numbers perspective and ignoring how we feel. But for me personally, as a coach and honestly, as a runner, I would so much rather that you have a training cycle that went a little bit more slowly than you expected, like physically, like literally that you were running a little bit more slowly, right? Than you had hoped to, but that you felt really good the whole time. You felt strong, you felt confident, you felt reasonably challenged, but not, you know, over overcome with how, you know, difficult something was. I would so much rather you have that training cycle that allows you to rise to the occasion and feel really, really good rather than have a training cycle where, I mean, yeah, you're hitting your splits most days, but good Lord, do you feel terrible, right? That's not a way to live. We want to feel good in our training. We want to feel good in our running. And if the numbers that we're running are a little bit slower than we want them to be, except that we feel really good in our training cycle, we feel sustainable. We feel like all the good things like, yeah, this feels really good. That is so much, uh, that would so much you rather you be in that place rather than the place where you always feel like you're struggling to keep up, where you're like struggling to stay in it because that's not sustainable. And maybe you can do it for a training cycle and get the result you want on race day, but it's not going to be able to, it's not, it's not a sustainable long-term solution. Okay. Cannot play catch up forever. Eventually, you're going to need to take a break. Now, lastly, digging back into this idea of things that you do and do not have control over. Um, like I said, you know, runners really tend to to misunderstand things that they have control over, um, and things that they don't have control over. So, you know, there are a lot of things in our lives, especially as adults with responsibilities, that we we technically have control over, but not really. Right. Like, yeah, I technically have control over, you know, as an example, like my work travel schedule, but I don't like if my boss asks me and this is a bad example, of course, because I do work for myself these days. But in a previous life, my boss was like, you need to go to D.C. next week. You'd be like, OK, I, I don't have a choice. Right. Those of you who travel for work, those of you who have family obligations like, you know, my kid needs to be at this at this time. Like that's a, that's an immovable object. Like technically it's inside your control, but it's also not. There are other things that are also outside of your control, you know, like the weather, <laughs> like where you are in your age cycle, right? Especially for our female athletes. Are we approaching menopause? Are we menopausal? There are a lot of things that you don't have control over. The problem is, is that when we think that we do have control over them or we discount how much that they affect us. So the thing to be very cognizant of is when you are making decisions about what's going to happen in your next training cycle, being very aware of all these kind of immovable objects. What do I not have control over? 
whether that I know it's a fixed thing, right? This thing that I, my Tuesdays are always bonkers. I do not have control over that. My Tuesdays are always bonkers. Therefore, Tuesdays will never be a day where I attempt to do giant things with running. That's just a fact until that changes. I do not have control over that. I do have control over my response to that. I do have control over how I approach that. So I don't have control over what's happening. I do have control over how I can make decisions about adjusting my schedule. Now, there are also things that we do have control over that we that we continually make decisions about that are not necessarily in our best interest because to make different decisions takes sometimes a lot of effort or time or education. And, you know, this is a very, I think, a tricky subject, right? Because everybody's things that they do not have, do not have control over are going to be slightly different. One of the things that I tend to see over and over again with the runners that I work with um, and just in general and right, and I've experienced this myself, is that um, I, t- I do, I, I'm an adult person, I have control over my fueling and hydration status, right? If I could become dehydrated, that's on me. <laughs> but I also need to own that, right? And I need to say, okay, well, if this, conti- if this continually happens to me, right? If I'm making notes in my training log every week, Oh, I was dehydrated. Oh, I was dehydrated. Oh, I think I was dehydrated. Oh, I think I didn't drink enough water today. Oh, I think I was dehydrated. Well, at some point, and I'm going to again say this from Amanda Brooks, is that a mistake continually made is no longer a mistake, it's a decision, right? What steps are you taking to mitigate that? What are you doing to help ensure that you're not dehydrated all the time or underfueled or not sleeping at night, right? Now, again, sometimes changing these things that we do have control over in some capacity in order to exert our control over them takes, like I said, effort and education. And sometimes it takes money, right? Working with a practitioner or seeking help from a medical professional, right? If you have chronic insomnia, that's something that, that like, yeah, you probably can't solve that yourself. <laughs> I get that, right? And so that can also feel very tricky as well. It can feel like sometimes the things that we feel like we don't have control, that we feel like we don't have control over, we actually do, right? Or that the uh, the amount of energy it would take to exert control over those things seems almost insurmountable, right? And I get that. But at the same time, you know, you have to identify the low-hanging fruit and say, if there are genuinely things that are inside of my control that are actively contributing to an inability to do the things I want to do. At some point you have to decide, well, can I do anything about this? It's my fault if I'm always dehydrated, right? That's a me problem. That's a, then I have the solution, right? So yeah, maybe it takes little tricks and hacks and I'm not saying any of these things are easy, but what I am saying is that I want you to really think about the things that are inside versus outside of your control. Because a lot of the things that you don't have control over, you think you do. And a lot of the things that you do have control over, you feel like you don't. And so it just takes a little bit of thought. Well, what do I actually have control over? And what are the decisions I can make 
to make the best decisions with the information that I have available. And that's why going through this thought experiment of the training cycle analysis is so helpful because it can bring up these larger issues and make us identify patterns and then help us to cultivate some accountability for making changes if we need to or want to make those changes, right? If you don't ever use a training log and you never continually know that you're dehydrated all the time and you don't take the time to then go back and review that and say, oh my God, I was dehydrated, like at least noted that I was dehydrated almost once a week or more. Yeah, that's that's like really easy information for you to record and look at. But if you don't ever go through the process of like looking at that information and using that to your advantage, you're going to keep getting dehydrated or whatever the thing is in this example, it's dehydration. It's going to keep affecting you negatively. It's going to be keep being a problem. It's going to keep limiting you and you have control over it. Now, the last thing, of course, is to think about, well, all of the things that I have analyzed and, you know, digested and had a a real hard think about and maybe objectively had some tough realizations about me and my expectations for myself. And, you know, sometimes this takes a, it's a hard look inside sometimes. I'm not saying this is necessarily easy stuff. Sometimes confronting the real truth about things leads us to uncomfortable realizations. There's something wrong with that. It's all information that can help you. Now you can say, well, how can I use this information going forward, right? What does this tell you about your next training cycle? What can you learn from this to inform your next training cycle? Maybe that's a decision that you think, well, you know, I'm going to commit to running a little bit less based on what I know about what I have available in my life. I'm not going to try to run five days per week. I'm going to stick with four. That's going to help me be more consistent. More workouts, fewer workouts. What type of workouts? Were there workouts that you specifically responded to or made you feel really good right? Were there workouts where you really struggled? If so, why? Maybe do you want to do more cross training or more strength training? Or maybe you want to focus on a different race duration, right? Race distance. In this next training cycle, are there life factors that could prevent you from training the way you want to? And are those changeable or not? Is this a habit thing, right? I keep getting dehydrated. Or is this a, oh yeah, no, my boss wants me to commute to uh, across the country three times a month thing, right? One of those is changeable. The other one is not, right? And then if needed, adjusting your goals for the situation you have available to you at this time. Now, if you find yourself in a situation where actually you have more time, right? A lot of the times that we are talking about this, we're talking about, yeah, like, you know, you need to be realistic about what you have available for time and adjust your goals and your training cycle. So you're not trying to overextend yourself and overtrain and actually cause real issues down the road. But if you find yourself in a phase of life where like, actually you have more time, you have more resources, you have more available to you, then yeah, do more, run more, do more workouts, right? If you have more time, more training of t- available, if you have more recovery available, if you have less stress in your life, right? If you won the lottery, as an example, and you can do it literally whatever you want. Yeah, maybe this is the time for you to go after that more aggressive training cycle. It's about knowing when it's, a, when it's the right decision for the more aggressive versus the less aggressive choice. 
because making good decisions in your training will help you be more consistent in the long run, take advantage of those opportunities when you have them, but also train to your best ability without overtraining or overcommitting when you are more limited in your time. Because the more consistency we can bring to our training in our lives, the better overall we're gonna become as runners. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Don't forget, you can always find and follow me on Instagram at Running Explained. And if you're looking for a coach or a training plan, check me out. Visit my website, runningexplained.co. That's runningexplained.co. See you next time. This content is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with any questions you have regarding a medical condition.